0: what is up everybody welcome to bench chatter the common and nba podcast i'm your host colin here with my co-host noah coming at you on this beautiful sunday evening to bring you week two of fantasy basketball preview noah
1: how we feeling pretty good Colin. uh we just got done hanging out for the whole weekend and now i remember why we live in different states yeah, no, I mean, I I could not agree more. Like, I enjoy
0: hearing your voice. You've got to find voice, but looking at you sucks. <laughs> like that. Oh my god, you are just a menace on the eyes.
1: Thank you. I thought you'd appreciate that. I know. That's what that's what I'm going for.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Hoosiers got a massive dub. Oh, gigantic dub. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to lose fifty-five to seven? Rain just rain it.
1: caught a dub. The rain caught a dub.
0: Yeah, yeah. The rain was fantastic. I love like there's nothing better, being cold and then also wet. Like it's it's an all-time combo. I love it personally. Cold and wet, just how I like it. That's big facts. Speaking of cold and uh, more importantly wet, Noah, we we've had an interesting first week of basketball. I don't think anything terribly over the top, but it's been interesting. There's been a lot of stuff to digest. So why don't you give me just a couple of thoughts on six days in to the NBA season? What you're seeing around the league, some storylines you like, like it hit me with some content.
1: Um, the Pacers might go to overtime in like two thirds of their games this season. I think i think they're addicted to overtime
0: they're like, addicted I to think overtime they they know that for fantasy basketball it's just better for everybody if we go to overtime so like all right like let's help out the fellas like <laughs> let's let's boost our stats a little bit you know at the end of the year we get paid in our stats and we don't get paid for 36 minute <laughs> stats, so might as well just rack them up as much as we possibly can like, i think that's their mentality
1: yeah i appreciate it um your boys, Colin. The boys are being boys, Colin, up there in Chicago. Uh,
0: as of this morning, Noah, and you could actually see this if you would like to follow the uh, Bench Chatter podcast on Twitter. The Bulls were the only three and team in the NBA, and I mean, I'm not going to gloat about it, but are we the best team in the NBA? Uh, the standings
1: say so. Chicago Bulls, NBA champions, 2021 slash 2022. Yeah, but
0: on, on a more real note, I mean, very glad we're 3-0. We've <laughs> rocked the Pistons twice. <laughs> That's got to feel you know, good. I, th- I think I, those are games we definitely should win, and winning the games you should is a big part of having a very nice record. And then, you know, we beat a, up on a hampered Pelicans team, but I think what's important to me is, one, uh, sans that first game, which was close-ish, I mean, like not terribly. I, I think it was it was pretty much wrapped up in the final three minutes. It's not like it went down to the wire. Um, we're kind of knocking these teams out, which mm-hmm. is definitely the sign of a very good NBA team. I am. Um, secondly, keep going. You on um, what? I'll okay, keep fine. Going. Secondly, secondly, this team's offense seems to. St- they're in the beginning phases of finding that identity, which is going to revolve mostly around Zach Levine, and it's going to change throughout the year. But DeMar DeRozan's looked fantastic in the role that we've asked him to play. Lonzo Ball had a triple double last night. I mean, hello? Like, let's go? We take that all day? All right, he had a triple double Friday night. Vucic is, is really the one for me now, and we actually talked about this uh, over the weekend who might be the most important player purely because we have no center depth. None. We have no front court depth. Uh, just blanket. Like, we we go Vooch, we go P-Will, and then you got Tony Bradley. Uh, <laughs> and that's what you're looking at. So that's concerning, but I love the 3-0 start. I think that we're ready to compete with some of the big boys. Oh. And I'm pumped for the season.
1: Yeah, I was actually most impressed con. Um, with the Bulls as a team with that second dub over the Pistons um, Zach Levine had a bad game Connie shot 6 or 18 only scored 14 points and given last year's situation, that's a game you guys probably just lose where Zach Levine only scores 14 but that's where the beauty of DeMar DeRozan comes in DeMar DeRozan comes in and scores 21 helps the Bulls win a pretty gritty D game it was 97-82 and uh You know, that's what you brought DeMar there for. To cover the off Zach Levine night. Yeah,
0: to, to provide a second score, and then you bring Lonzo Ball in for defense. I mean, granted, we're through three games, but the Bulls' defense has looked fantastic. I mean, we're holding opponents to 94 points a game. Yeah, re- yeah. really beating Grinch. up on the Pistons twice. Yeah, I, no I said, granted two of those against the, <laughs> yeah, the Pistons. Yeah, and then obviously you catch the Pelicans without Zion. Your defensive numbers are going to look good. So we'll see. Uh, you know, we, we catch a bit more of a an uphill battle. We got the Raptors, the Knicks, and the Jazz this week. So, you know, definitely some games that I think will show maybe a uh, a better litmus test for where the Bulls really are at. Because I, th- I think we've cleared that, hey, like you're a garbage team. And now what do you do when you play some tougher
1: competition? I'm excited to see it. I'm very excited to watch it, Noah. Yeah, I'm excited to see you guys play one of, one of the big boys. I, I want to see how a team that who has a dominant center can play against the Bulls. I want to see Vooch get into foul and trouble and just see how the Bulls can adapt to that because I feel like that's going to be a fairly common situation once we start. If the Bulls want to make a deep playoff run. Yeah,
0: I think this Jazz
1: game Saturday night is going to be yeah. a banger. Yeah, I mean... I, I think that one will be good. Yeah, they're bringing in, they're starting Rudy against you guys and then playing Hassan Whiteside off the bench. So we'll really see how the yeah, rotations I mean, that's work the, out.
0: It's a formidable duel for sure, yeah. The two guys who know how to shut it down in the paint. But I almost—I wonder if that plays to our advantage in that a lot of our production really doesn't come inside the paint. A lot of it does come outside, and the perimeter defense on the Jazz—you got Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. Like I'm taking those matchups all day, right?
1: Yeah. Huh? Yeah. All right, that's that's <laughs> enough Bulls talk. We talk about the Bulls a little too much, I think.
0: Yeah, it's because they just... I got to start roasting them more. Uh, all right, well, a storyline, Noah, that we have to be watching is my John Morant MVP take? Looking warmer and warmer as the days go on. Through his first two games, he's averaging 33 points, 7 assists, 4 boards. In tonight's game against the Lakers, he's got 36 points, 2 boards, 10 assists catch it with two steals, 13 of 19 from the field. They're down five as we speak with two minutes left. I mean, let's go.
1: What did you know that we didn't, Colin? What are you – who are your sources, dude?
0: My sources are that Derek Rose just reminded me of this guy. More importantly, this guy reminded me of Derek Rose's career trajectory. So – you know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing because, you know, two years from now, John Moran's going to have knees that are basically just two candlesticks. Oh, my God. In between lights.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah. You like that one? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Sorry, Derek, if you're listening. Oh, thanks. Um,
0: But, yeah, I mean, he's he's been killing it. The Grizzlies as a whole have uh, been rolling. They look good. They look like they could be a solid team. John Mer- or Jared Jackson Jr., albeit not a, the hottest of starts in the world, has looked pretty solid. Put up twenty one his first night. Stephen Adams, I think, is a really nice addition to that team. Now, I think that Valanchunas uh, needed the ball a bit more than Adams does. In you know what you had talked about in the off season. Adams in the pick and roll is just so solid. And I think that's just such a nice compliment for John Morant. And that I think given the bench depth, I think that the Grizzlies, at least in the regular season, can really ride that bench to some solid wins that they might not catch in the playoffs. Just given how the regular season works. I think the Grizzlies are going to be a very good team this year. I think they're going to be in the neighborhood of about
1: 46 wins i yeah I agree with that they're they're definitely fighting for that um seven to ten spot in the west, and that i I imagine that is where about forty six will get you, but they're not gonna be a team you're gonna wanna face in the first round. I'll tell you that no no,
0: especially if Ja is able to be this consistent throughout the year. no, that's not a team I'm looking to face,
1: yeah, he's playing his way into the all star game I'll tell you that, yeah first-timer. Oh, for sure.
0: And then, no, uh, I mean, we got to talk about it. The Lakers are 0-2. Is Russell Westbrook bad at basketball? (laughs)
1: No. uh, I can't remember. I, like, the Lakers, I guarantee you Russ's best point in this season, Colin, will be, like, games 35 to game, like, 55. That's what they got Russ for. They got Russ for the middle of the season games. Where AD and LeBron don't want to play, and they're like, "All right, Russ, go out there and get a twenty 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 game." Like, um, it's gonna take a while for them to gel, uh, especially with the other amount of new players they also have. I- I'm not worried, but there are like clear holes in this team with Russell Westbrook being on the floor. I'll tell you that. Did you see the
0: uh, Twitter graphic? It was like the the dates of like from October to. April, and it was like October to January, and it's Russell Westbrook. It's like, this guy's the worst player in the NBA. February, he's the greatest player that the NBA's ever seen. <laughs> and then March and April, it's just like, who is this guy? That's how he gets here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but he has a month every single year where you're like, this is the greatest NBA player ever. That's all the Lakers he's need. He's putting up like 18, 15, and 19 <laughs> and you're like okay yeah that's he that's, somehow yeah, can shoot, shoot the three least. again
1: yeah yeah he has a month where he shoots like 43% from three he's got, got one like, of wow, the he shot. he's got one of the cleanest dribble pull up moves like to get into it and then just one of the ugliest oh, yeah. like, everything just bricks but his dribble pull up looks yeah. so clean oh
0: my god he's king of like the uh, the back rim break
1: yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> just, I think just send it off the rebound. rim,
0: because <laughs> <laughs> he's got a line drive three too. Like there's some force behind that. He's like either it's a the loudest bang you're ever gonna hear, or you know, it's the loudest bang you're ever gonna hear, but it's off the the rim. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was a nice one. I already right, on. you know it. Let's uh, let's move into the schedule analysis. Really. Break it down. See what the people came for. You know, the fantasy basketball talk. We got to give them the advice because we're advisors, Noah. That's that's our trade. That's what we do. That's our job. On Sunday nights, is to advise people. So uh, I'm really gonna quickly break down the schedule. Teams with four, three, and two, and then maybe highlight some teams that you like, and then we can we can move from there. So. With that said, Noah, teams of four games, we've got the Hawks, the Nets, the Hornets, the Cavs, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, the Pistons, the Pacers, the Lakers, the Heat, the Bucks, the Pelicans, the Magic, the Blazers, Raptors, Jazz, and Wizards playing four games. Noah, remind the listener really quick why it's important that they're playing four games this week. More game equal more stat. Couldn't have said it better myself. Team for three games, you got the Celtics, Bulls, Warriors, Rockets, Clippers, Grizz, Timberwolves, Knicks, Thunder, 76ers, Clippers, and the Spurs. And then, Noah, interesting enough, the Phoenix Suns are only playing two games this week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Devin Booker owner's crying in the club right now, Colin. Um After a relatively quiet week, um, you know, he had a fantasy game of 20, 25, and 36, he hasn't had that pop-off game yet, Colin. And with only two games this week, uh, Devin Booker owners are not going to be very happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to wait. Going to have to wait to see on that return. Real quick note on the Suns, Chris Paul has been a top-ten fantasy player through Week 1. Pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. he He's making up for how bad Devin Booker played in Week 1. I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the assists are not dropping off anytime soon, I guess. That's... Uh... That's not something that Chris Paul is going to do. So, yeah, I mean, uh, avoid the Suns uh, if you're looking for those like midterm to long-term pickups right now. I mean, it's just uh, it's not really worth it. It definitely is going to suck for Suns owners, so plan around that. You're going to have to really be active on the waivers if you've got guys like Chris Paul, Aiton, Booker uh, this week. Mm-hmm. No, talk uh, talk to me about the number of teams playing each day because got a pretty even schedule this week, honestly.
1: Yeah, um, on Monday we have eighteen teams playing con. On Tuesday we have ten. On Wednesday we have twenty. On Thursday we have twelve. On Friday we have fourteen. On Saturday we have twenty two, and on Sunday we have ten. So we're a busy week con. This is a full week of fantasy basketball this week, and. A lot of days, a lot of games, Uh, Wednesday with a week high 20 teams playing, so you're going to be wanting to look at Wednesday as a good day to be able to pick people up, and then Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, we're all looking at the low volume game days, and those are also the days that you're going to want to be targeting to uh, get your more smaller pool of guys picked up so you can beat the other person in your league to it.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's not really a a specific day where there's only, like, two games. So there's not, like, a specific day. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. No. We are looking like, oh, you got to get guys on that day. So plan your waiver pickups accordingly. You know, definitely look in through the week on what your specific low-volume days are because I guarantee there's going to be a day this week where you're
1: going to want to pick up, like, three dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah uh, Yeah I agree with that um, Looking into the back to backs This week On On Monday Tuesday we have Denver On Tuesday Wednesday we have The Lakers and OKC On Wednesday Thursday we have Atlanta Memphis and San Antonio Or Washington sorry um, On Thursday Friday we have Dallas On Friday Saturday We have Cleveland, Denver, Indiana Miami, the Pelicans, Orlando And Toronto and on Saturday, Sunday con, we're looking at Detroit, Milwaukee, and Utah. And then Sunday, Monday, going into game week three con, we're looking at Charlotte, Portland.
0: I like it. Are there any teams on this that stand out as uh, teams that have nice pickup targets? Denver sticks out to me. I mean, you know, the Monday, Tuesday, you can catch them for mm-hmm. these next couple days. Save the waiver wire pickups, like I, you know.
1: Yeah, and Dallas is looking pretty good too, con. with the Thursday-Friday back-to-back being the only team that has a back-to-back that week. Uh, Dallas has a lot of good fantasy targets on that team as well, Colin, which we'll get into later into this um, analysis. But looking at the low-volume game days, Colin, on Tuesday we're looking at five games, on Thursday we're looking at six games, and on Sunday we're looking at five games. Um, so Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday are the low-volume game days, and Teams who play on those low-volume game days, Colin, are the Mavericks, like we said. They play on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Um, Guys on the Mavs you could be looking at are like Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kaliba, uh, Jalen Brunson. Uh, The Jazz play four games, Colin, on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Jazz players you could potentially be looking at are Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Royce O'Neal, Hassan Whiteside. And then we round that off, Colin, with the Houston Rockets, who play three games on Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. And the Rockets are one of those teams, gone where they kind of have a lot of fantasy value within them because so many guys play, and uh, that team is relatively wide open in terms of a hierarchy. So you could be looking at Alperin, Shen, Goon, Collin, Ja'Sean Tate, um, Daniel Tice. There's a lot of guys on that Rockets team that are potential uh, waiver-wire pickups this week.
0: All right, and with that, let's get into the potential rest-of-season value, guys, now, Noah, and this is the bread and butter. This is what the people are looking mm-hmm. for. They're looking for our hot take. They're looking for the guys that we see as guys that need to be on the roster. Mm-hmm. So the, the way that we frame this, if you're a new listener, which I hope you are, you know, we would love for you to be listening. And to have listened this far. Potential rest of the season value guys are guys that we kind of feel deserve or potentially deserve a roster spot throughout the remainder of the year. They're not guys that you're looking to drop week to week, day to day, just to pick up those points. These are guys who have an argument for, yo, like these guys are gonna be productive enough to be on your roster this rest of the season. And we're at the peak point of that now because we're we're a week in. I mean well, who knows how the rest of the 78 games, 79 games are going to play out. So this is prime time to see how teams are actually using guys, what guys are effective, what guys are ineffective, and then just what they're doing on their team that makes us think, okay, this guy compared to this guy really deserves it. So, Noah, give me the first guy you have on our potential rest of the season.
1: Oh, I like this first guy a lot, Colin. Um, he's a veteran of the league, and that is Mr. Ricky Rubio, Con, who is thirty-eight and a half percent roster on ESPN. And the Cavaliers brought Ricky Rubio and Con, during the summer when they traded Torian Prince in a twenty twenty-two second round draft pick to the Timberwolves for Ricky Rubio. And part of the reason the Cavs brought him in, Con, was the t te- the Cavs are a team that was led by two young guards in context Sexton and. In- Darius Garland, and they also had multiple front court players, and Jared Allen, and their newly drafted Evan Mobley. And you could see how a guy like Ricky Rubio would fit with that team con. You know, he provides a nice stability next to both Sexton and Garland, while also mentoring them, helping them become better uh, players. And also, Ricky Rubio is a pass-first point guard who's always looking to get easy buckets for those big guys, uh, which is something you want f- for with a rookie like Evan Mobley and through 3 games con he's averaging 16.7 points, 4 rebounds, 9.3 assists and 1.3 steals a game in 29 minutes con um, while utilizing a 22.7% usage rate and oh he's excelled as a distributor for this Cavs team con and i think he's going to play a pretty key role for them this season and he's expected to play a ton of minutes and i think he's carved out a pretty significant role in that Cavaliers offense. Um, I would grab him now, Con, because I don't really see it as that high risk of a pickup, and it's hard to find that kind of production, Con, later into the season, really.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, no, this is a guy that I think around this point last year we were talking about for the exact same reasons. My only hesitation in drafting him this year was just because I didn't know how the Cavs were going to use him. I just didn't know what that was going to be like. It turns out he's still Ricky Rubio. He's still just <laughs> catching assist after assist after assist. Specifically in categories, there is no reason this guy should be on the waivers. Mm-hmm. He is so effective in the and steal game that he needs to be on a roster. He hurts you a little bit with the field goal percentage because he's really not a great shooter, but he's also not shooting enough. To the point that it's really impacting your overall field goal percentage, and he's a decent enough free throw shooter. I mean, he's he was he clipped um, where is it? Clipped about eighty seven from the line. Actually, that's a fantastic number. He's just not shooting them in great volume throughout his career. He's averaged about three and a half free throw attempts a game through the last four years. It's closer to three a game. But you will love it. I mean, and for a point guard, he's catching those four boards. You take that again, and then the steals are so nice. They're mm-hmm. so nice. And for a guy that has the ball in his hands as much as Rubio does, he does not turn it over that much. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Last year, his assist-to-turnover ratio was four. That's that's, that's fire.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I, I love the thought. I really like this move by the Cavs con bringing in Ricky Rubio, um, knowing that they were going to draft Evan Mobley because – Ricky Rubio is going to get so many easy assists to both Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, and he also has fantastic backup options to throw it to when Laurie Markin and her Kevin Love are on the court, Con. I, I love this pick, Con, and I picked him up today in categories. You
0: asshole. I wanted him. Yeah, another <laughs> thing, too, I mean, I know we're only through three games, Noah, but he's shooting way more threes this year than he mm-hmm. has in the past. Through three games, he's averaging six and a half attempts, making three. I'm expecting that, that percentage to go down. But the idea that he's even taking that many is a pretty good mm-hmm. sign for his category value, and it really makes a more compelling argument for a points league team to have potential rest of the season value. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the top guy through week one where I'm just like, holy yes.
1: shit, like, this is a no-brainer. If not top guy, Colin, he's easily the best point guard addition that you could make this week.
0: Yes. Yeah, fair enough.
1: And funny enough, Colin, this next guy I also picked up in categories today, and that is Mr. Precious Achua, who is currently 6.5% roster on ESPN. And Precious was traded to the Raptors in the summer, Colin, as part of the Kyle Lowry deal. And... He's been a player who's been benefiting from the absence of Pascal and the Raptors' lack of a clear number one frontcourt player. Um, while he may not have the same scoring upside as some of the other guys on this list, Khan Achua brings multi-category production and has had two pretty promising games so far this season. Um, on Friday against the Celtics, Khan he had ten points. He had fifteen points and fifteen rebounds in twenty-four minutes, and then he followed that game up with a ten-point, twelve-rebound game against Dallas. Um, in three games so far this season, Precious is averaging, uh, 10 points, 11 rebounds in 25 minutes, Con, and he's showing upside early on. And I think that helps him build trust with Nick Nurse because I'm going to be honest, Con, I don't think Nick Nurse completely trusts Chris Boucher. Um, I really don't think he does in the game against Dallas Con on Saturday. He, Chris Boucher only played eight minutes in the game before 20 and in the game before 18, and Precious put up better stats in all three of those games compared to Chris Boucher. And I like this bit, Colin. Precious Ochua to me right now, kind of feels like the Isaiah Stewart of last year. And while that doesn't mean amazing numbers, Colin, that does mean low-end double-double value every night, which is always welcome in a categories league.
0: Yeah, and what you have to remember is a guy like this is going to have a nice field goal percentage. And that's just something that uh, you need to have a nice baseline field goal percentage and mm-hmm. then you can tweak it with roster moves each week but i mean if you're walking around with uh, like guys like Brad Beal i'm trying to think of other like high volume guys like RJ Barrett you know if you have a, a team of those kind of guys maybe precious doesn't have as much value maybe he actually really improves your field goal percentage because you need that but my point being just getting a guy like that to have and up your baseline field goal percentage is huge and like you said there's he just doesn't come with a ton of downside i mean you know is he getting you the assists no but he's a big man you're not really expecting that of him
1: if he can so... if he can consistently find if he could consistently up his blocks a game con to one. It's currently sitting at 0.7. Uh, that would be awesome. If he could consistently average a low and double double on a block every night, uh, any team would take that. Any welcome team, fantasy team. Yeah.
0: I am looking at his stats right now. His free throw percentage. Is, so I'll say this his free throw percentage is garbage. No, he's uh, career. I mean, He's three games into his sophomore season, but he's a career 51% free throw shooter. But for a big man, he's only taken about two and a half a game. So it could be a lot worse. You are really mitigated if you have some big time scorers that are getting to the line eight, nine, 10 times a game. So I think you're fine there. And funny enough that you picked him up, Noah, because I literally had him yesterday on categories and I had to drop him. Because I was in a four or five battle, mm-hmm. and I just, he was the only eye I could drop, and I needed a, a body for today, and it's actually worked out really <laughs> well for me. So,
1: who'd you pick up?
0: I'll, I'll, I'll take some dubs. Uh, Desmond Bain, a guy nice. that we have talked about. I'm going to talk
1: about yeah. him later.
0: Oh, well, fantastic. That's yep. a good segue into not Desmond Bain, but <laughs> a different guy that I talked about pretty heavily mm-hmm. on our preseason award show, Noah. That is Tyrese Maxey. Twenty-seven and a half percent roster. Can I can I just say
1: something real quick, Gon? No. This is um. I was doing this, and this is what made me completely lose faith in ESPN rostered percent numbers because there's no fucking way Tyrese Maxxie is twenty-seven percent rostered in ESPN, con. And with that being said, I think Bench Chatter will officially be moving to Yahoo for their new percent rosters.
0: I think so. I mean, we use ESPN. <laughs> I think ESPNs much are fucked. For us to get those. I they, yeah, some of them just don't make sense. Like they just really don't. Like you walk, like if you look, there's not a single guy. There's maybe three that are a hundred percent rostered. And like if you look at like Bradley Beal, just because he's on my team and I was looking at him earlier, he's not a hundred percent rostered. How is Bradley Beal not a hundred percent rostered? Like people are out here like, oh, oh he's day to day, dropping his ass. I gotta pick like, up Ricky what? Rubio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening to this, don't drop Brad Beal for Ricky Rubio if that's what it comes <laughs> to. Find somebody else. Yeah, I I don't get the twenty seven percent number. Maybe there's a some delay there. But w- with that said, I mean, there's probably still some leagues out there where Maxi might be available and you absolutely need to pick him up. I mean, through two games he's averaging seventeen through three games he's averaged seventeen and a half of points. His assist numbers aren't great, but I expect them to come up a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has just looked good in that 76ers roster now. He's mm-hmm. a score first point guard, which is what they didn't have in recent seasons. Uh, I forget who their point guard was, but he wasn't exactly a score first guy. I like to pass the ball around the rim. <laughs> I think that the 76ers are going to get him involved specifically as a guy who comes in to score. I just Mm -hmm. don't think that given their history with Simmons that they're looking for him to distribute the ball. Mm -hmm. I think that they'd much rather have a slow-paced offense around Embiid, allow him to work around the rim, Mm -hmm. utilizing less of ball movement to get him open looks and just allowing his natural ability to get the open looks. Which just allows Tyrese Maxey to do his own thing and not be looking to playmake and looking to score. Mm-hmm. I think the playmaking will come as he develops as an NBA yes. player and you like really gets the minutes to do that. But I think he's going to look to take a lot of shots and everything else is going to come along with that. Tyrese Maxey, I think that these stats are lower now than what they're going to be at the end of the season which yeah. is crazy because there's a lot of guys right now that have stats that are going to be a lot lower at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, and I'm not worried about the assist, too, either, Con, because that starting lineup of the Sixers is constructed of shot makers with Curry, Danny Green, and Tobias Harris, and it's lacking a shot creator like Tyrese Maxey, someone who can get his own bucket but will also get guys their shots. Um, so I think the assists are fine, Con. I, I do think those will be going up, and I see this guy as a 20-point-per-game scorer, Con. if he truly does remain on to this um, Philadelphia Sixers starting point guard role, and the Ben Simmons saga still is not figured out, Con. He says he's not mentally ready to come back to basketball yet. We do respect that. We respect mental health on this podcast, and while that's... Mm-hmm, while he's absolutely. not being done, Con Maxi is going to absolutely crush in fantasy, and You have to pick him up if he's still available on your waiver wire. Um, What was I going to say? I don't remember. All right, cool.
0: I'm Googling (laughs) Yahoo percent rostered right now. So you move into the next guy because I want to come back to this because this is an issue that the reporters
1: are on right now, Noah. Uh, The next guy calling is Chris Duarte, who's currently 34% rostered on ESPN. No, I should probably talk about this guy. You don't know anything about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After I just spoon-feed you Bulls content at the beginning, (laughs) come on. Uh, Duarte came out with a bang, Colin, in his first NBA game, scoring 27 points um, on 9 for 15 shooting, 6 for 9 on three-pointers. On the season, Colin, he's averaging 20 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 2.3 assists. Um, He's averaging a usage rate of 22% so far. And Karras is expected to come back sometime late next week, On So, Duarte's numbers probably will be dipping. But I think he's carved out a role on this Pacers team. And I think there's a good chance Duarte still starts even when Karras comes back, on. And there is a decent chance, Khan, we did just see this guy's best game in the season already. But he's going to play a ton of minutes. And he's in a backcourt with injury-prone guards. I think he's worth the pickup. And I think his floor is like 15 points a game a night, honestly. With how many other guys yeah, the Pacers I mean, have that draw gravity, even when Karis comes back, he's going to find himself with open shots.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. No, just The idea that he's been on the floor at the end of games and was even trusted with a game winner I didn't go in, but the fact that he was trusted with a game winner on Friday night I think speaks That's volumes sick. to his fantasy value. It's sick. I mean, I know as a Pacers fan, you were like, let's go. Like, yes, give this guy the ball.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love Duarte. I think he's going to be worth having in fantasy. And you're going to want him, I feel like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Khan?
0: I know what you're saying. Hey. Hey, I get it. I get it. What it is that you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've spoken to Chris, Chris Jarce's value on the podcast already this year, but just to back it up, I think that he's an NBA-ready guy. I think that there's a lot of rookies out there that have higher learning curves than him. I mean, he comes into the league at the age of 24, um, which is pretty crazy to be a lottery guy at the age of 24. I mean, just the way the NBA works right now, like, what was it, last year, two years ago, the Thunder's starting roster had a younger average age than the Wisconsin starting basketball team like old guys just don't really come into the league like this anymore you know like they go play internationally and then maybe they come in you know via transfer market or whatever they call it in the NBA Chris Duarte's 24 he looks like he should have been in the league for a while I don't know that's all I gotta (laughs) say about him so then, Noah, let's, uh, let's break down some of these waiver wire pickups. So yeah. these are some guys that we think have some value. This week, we're not sure their long-term value truly. Uh, you know, we, we really think that they're okay to drop when you've got the points out of them for this week. Maybe you know, Maybe as what we see progresses, our opinion can change. Obviously, that's how fantasy works. Uh, otherwise, it would be
1: a pretty stupid thing to do if you knew exactly what was going to happen. But yeah, I wanna I wanna talk about these two first guys, Con, because I was debating about writing about both of these guys. Okay, let's hear it. So the first guy is Cam Reddish, Con. Um, he was a guy who was taken with the number overall ten pick in twenty nineteen, and he was pretty injury hampered last season, Con. So we didn't really get to see a lot of him. But so far in this season con, he looks locked in coming in coming in playing a key role on that Hawks team con as a six man. And in his first two games this season con, uh, Reddish has averaged nineteen and a half points, four and a half rebounds on twenty four minutes a game while knocking down three three pointers in each game. Um, He's had a twenty nine percent usage rate con throughout those two games, uh, trailing only Trey Young actually and. I wanted to write about this guy, Con, because those numbers are really good. But there is something in me that doesn't believe that these are, that this two game stretch we saw is really sustainable. Um, it totally could be, Con. I am go- going out on a limb here, and I am thinking that Cam Reddish is not going to keep that this up into that into this week. But that's what we do, Con. We make takes on here. I am not I am not playing it safe. So we'll have to check back, Con. He has a big game, big week this week with four games favorable matchups and i'm i'll be willing to check in on this take this time next sunday con and if cam reddish keeps keeps us up i'll write about him next week
0: yeah i mean the hawks are are one of those teams i kind of think of the hawks the grizzlies as teams with a lot of bench depth and i don't even know if bench depth is the right word no it is but more in the line of they have a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things and it's tough earlier in the season to take a risk on some of those guys deeper down the line because you just don't know what their role is going to be cam reddish has been one of those guys but if he continues this trend if he continues to improve he's gonna work himself into more minutes and more shots and i think just Given his profile, given his history, I think he's a guy that like we've always expected to do that. I think this is year three for Cam now, and this is kind of the year where it's like, all right, if you can't do it now, when's it gonna happen?
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I want Cam Reddish to be a good player in the league on, um, but we'll check back next next week with you, Cam. So no, I gotta I gotta pause you really quick. I found the Yahoo percent
0: rostered. Maxi's sixty-five percent rostered in Yahoo. I okay, mean, good. What like, is that? That's still kind what of low, honestly.
1: I feel like it should be at minimum it is, it seventy-five. Is kind of low. It
0: should, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it it should be higher. It should be over eighty in my mind. So if if there's a league that you're in out there, um, pick them up, obviously. And yeah, we we are making the switch to Yahoo percent rostered because I don't know what's going <laughs> on with ESPN, stupid ass company. At least, no. Actually, they make a really good fantasy basketball product. Their percent rostered is just pretty stupid, though. <laughs> Already know this next guy. Uh, I'm actually I'm really curious as to what you have to say because this is a guy that I personally don't have a great outlook on. That <laughs> yeah, Mister Ain't No Stopping <laughs> the Obi Toppin.
1: Yeah, Colin, I I I kind of hold the same that. Uh, Viewpoints on Obi Toppin as you did. I thought he was kind of overrated, but I did get to watch that Knicks Celtics game, calling that double overtime thriller. And Obi Toppin ab- actually really impressed me in that game. Call he he made some big shots for that Knicks team. He was making good hustle plays, and I was I kind of just completely forgot about this guy honestly because he didn't play a lot last season, um as rookies typically typically do in a Tom Thibodeau system. But through these first two games of the season, con Obi Toppin has shot 11 for 17 from the field, averaging 13.5 points, four rebounds, one assist, one block, and one steal per game. Um, he's shown some promise on the court. He gels pretty well with Julius Randle. They can play off of each other, and it provides the Knicks with a small ball lineup consisting of Obi Toppin and Julius Randle at the 4-5. and five. And I think the Knicks are planning on having Toppen more involved in the team this year, con and on the floor. And while Thibodeau is usually hesitant to play his rookies too much, I think once you earn Thibodeau's trust, con and you're one of his, like, guys, I do feel like your minutes will start to climb and also um, they'll get more consistent. And Toppen could be moving into that range, con. so we got to keep a close eye on this guy.
0: Yeah, I uh, my only counter is uh, he scored two points tonight. Well, ain't no stopping Obi Toppin. He didn't score zero. Yeah, that's – yeah, wow. I mean, they, they killed it. Yeah, he only played 12 minutes. But Derek Rose coming off the bench was an absolute monstrosity tonight with uh, 25 points, five boards, and three assists. So Nasty. E- nasty, nasty, nasty. Uh, yeah, I just uh, – I, I still feel the same way about Obi Toppin is – I did when he was coming out of school like I just don't think that he has what it takes to be a very effective NBA player. Um his athleticism really rode him throughout college. I mean, he played in a weaker conference obviously that Dayton team will never really know what it could have been because he left before the tournament and that was Dayton's highest seed ever but he just relied so much on his athleticism. You can't do that in the NBA if you're not in just like the elite of the elite athleticism talking Russell Westbrook, LeBron James. I don't think he has that. I think that his three point shot needs some work. I think that his defensive game is mediocre. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking against this one just so that everybody's clear on, on where maybe Obi Toppin stands. All right, Surely Obi, enough,
1: Get him. Beat him up.
0: I mean, to be fair, like saying Ain't No Stop and toppin is super sick, but <laughs> counterpoint, <laughs> Ain't No Stop and Max Verstappen and Max Verstappen's a little bit harder to stop, so
1: maybe he deserves that. We get some crossover out here. We just get some F1 a times NBA fantasy badges. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't like
0: Max, but you know, he he won the US so yeah, I mean, you gotta shout him out. It's classy, classy race for Max
1: Verstappen today.
0: Those last couple laps were uh that was riveting. That was awesome. I thought Lewis was gonna pass him. I mean, I know this is not fancy basketball talk <laughs> at all, but with like eight laps to go, I was like, Lewis <laughs> has this. Just some good defensive driving. Some very good defensive driving. All right, Noah. This next guy is actually only one percent rostered. On Yahoo, So we are actually, we're hitting everybody with a deep cut here. Everybody. No matter where you play. And I'm going to let you talk about this one as well because, you know, he's a bit closer to home for you.
1: Yeah, and that is O'Shea Berset, Con. Uh, he was someone who actually played big minutes for us towards the latter end of the season uh, when we had a bunch of injuries. And I figured coming into this year, Con, he was going to be a pretty – pivotal guy in our rotation and he didn't even play against charlotte he played eight minutes against the wizards um not gathering a single stat in either of those games but then he played against the heat con and he played for 32 minutes scored 18 points nine rebounds one assist one steal that was good enough for 31 fantasy points and i don't know why he didn't play a lot in those first two games con but i do project him to play a lot for us and at the bare minimum, he's getting you rebounds, and he's going to get some easy looks. And he's 1% rostered right now, so just keep an eye on this guy.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, I can't say I know much about O'Shea Brissett. I don't watch every single Pacers game, but I know he's a guy that uh, Pacers fans have been talking about for a while, so I'm here for it. You no, know this next guy on our list, uh, I'm going to be honest, when uh, you put him on the list and I clicked on him and I saw what team he was on, I was kind of surprised. Oh I had no idea that Doug McDermott was a Spur. Dude, he was like their big off-season signing. Yeah, I kind of remember that, but um, yeah. Uh, 11% rostered on Yahoo. That one actually puzzles me because Doug McDermott just seems like a guy who should be more valuable. I mean, we're talking about a guy, Noah, who... In their game against the Bucks last night, put up twenty-five, going seven for eleven from three. He is going to stroke the three-ball. Like that's just that's who Doug McTavish, McTier- <laughs> who he's always been, and he does enough of the other things to where I think he he has a decent case for. And no, I I won't I won't see as a decent case for a potential rest of the season. But on a night-to-night basis, I mean, why not? Like, this is Mm -hmm. a top-tier nightly pickup in my mind. Yeah, if you just need a quick infusion of
1: three-pointers made, Doug McDermott is your guy. Um, I do see some potential rest-of-season value in this guy, Colin, if he can somehow be a reliable piece of that Bulls offense, which doesn't seem like it would be too much of a stretch, Colin, because they have so yeah, Spurs, sorry – because that team is in desperate need of just a knockdown three-point shooter, and if he could somehow raise his flurcon to, you know, 13, 14 points a night on two-and-a-half threes made per game, there's value in that, in categories, especially on a night-to-night basis.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Where, where Doug's real downside is, is that he just doesn't do a lot of the, like, coming <laughs> stats very <Yeah>. well. <laughs> I mean, like... You know, he's just a guy that throughout his career hasn't done well on boards, he hasn't done well on assists. I mean, we're looking at career average assist numbers of point one, point nine. That's pretty sick. And yeah, pretty sick. And career rebounding at two and a half. You know, he's averaging point two steals, point .1 blocks. So in those regards it makes it really tough. But the efficiency numbers, I mean, field goal percentage, he's a 48% field goal percent throughout his career, which is insane when you're thinking that, you know, through his career he averages seven shots a game and half of them are threes. So, I mean, we take that. I, I think I think Doug is going to be a guy this year if he's not, like, picked up and on somebody's team that I will flip at least, like, eight times.
1: Yeah, and that's his purpose, and you know, we appreciate you for that, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Doing the
0: the the real heavy lifting over here. We appreciate it. Uh,
1: The next guy con Dylan Brooks. Uh, He's a guy who started off the season hurt con, but he's actually listed as questionable for Monday. Um, I don't know if he'll play in that game on Monday, but I do think he'll be a game time decision on Wednesday con. So we could see Dylan Brooks coming back as early as Wednesday, and when this guy's in the starting lineup, con he's worth having in a points league. Dylan Brooks doesn't have a bad shot in his art. He doesn't know what a bad shot is. He's not afraid to take shots, and playing next to John Moran, especially how on fire John Moran is right now, con Dylan Brooks could be on the receiving end of very good games.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, even last year, Noah, he was taking 14 and a half shots a game. And he played almost every single game. So there's there's something about that. I mean, his field goal percentage is not great. But he's going to put up the shots. He's going to score some points. He'll do uh, enough of the other things to make him worth a night-to-night transaction. We'll see where his rest of the season value is because I know... Coming into the draft, he was kind of a, a weird commodity. People didn't know how to value him. They didn't know what this injury was going to be. Um, but absolutely, Dylan Brooks on a night to night basis, 100%. And we'll keep an eye on him for the rest of the season value because that could start to become a thing once he comes back. I mean, he could prove that game one. So maybe mm-hmm. get a hat out of that. Get a, I'm already ahead of it. Out of All right. Good shit. Good shit. Now this next guy, I mean, yeah, this this is an easy one. It's Joe Ingles. But what are you going to get out of Joe Ingles? You're going to get fourteen points, three threes on a good night. Like that's just that's who Joe Ingles is. He's fifty four percent rostered right now. Kind of kind of had a bummer of a game, honestly, uh, against the Clippers. Only played six minutes, which is a little concerning. I don't. There's no injury designation, so I don't think it's an injury thing. But night one, I mean, he had exactly that. He had fourteen points four three-pointers made, three rebounds, three assists. That's kind of what I'm looking for out of Joe Ingles. He's not a guy anymore who deserves an actual roster spot because he can play six, nights, six minutes a game, which is very concerning. So, I don't know if that's a matchup thing, Noah. Do you have any insight into that? Um, as to why no. only plays six minutes?
1: I don't know why, actually.
0: It's interesting to me. I mean, I know he's on he's getting older, but yeah, interesting one. So watch out for Joe Ingles, but you kind of know what you're getting out of him. Already, Noah I know we're, we're coming up on time here, so uh, we'll just run through the rest of these guys. Buzz me in if you want to say anything about them, uh, but we'll end the podcast here. al Sangoon, Sadiq Bey, Desmond Bain, D'Anthony Melton, Patty Mills. Patty Mills, after uh, night one, actually, Noah looked like he was the MVP. Turns out he's also Patty Mills and we really don't know what to expect out of him night tonight. He can also go one for nine, as well as going eight for eight. Uh Franz Wagner, Terrence Mann, Lamarcus Aldridge. Mm, all right. I, I need some help on this one. Nemanja Balencia.
1: <laughs> You're joking, right?
0: Bolitza. It's Bolitsa. Oh my god, I'm so tired. How do you say his first name? Nemanja. You got that
1: right. Neman- oh,
0: okay. uh, (laughs) Jade McDaniels, Grayson Allen, Nicholas Claxton, Kelly Oubre, Devin Vassell, Pat Connaughton, Hassan Whiteside, who is going to be back this year with the blocks. Pick him up at Cat if you need the blocks. And Mr. Danny Green, Mr. 3 and D himself. Already, Noah, that caps off this week's Week 2 Bench Cheddar Week Preview. Oh, my God. We're exhausted. We will hit you up later this week. For another podcast, check that out, and check out the Reddit post.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode soft, of Bench Chatter, guys, the Common Man's NBA podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at bench underscore chatter, for spicy NBA takes, and we'll see you guys soon. See you.